Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave Van Bever. And see, he's not in the studio. It's just me on there, and he's got his awesome little photo in the little bubble. I'm trying to put my hand on it. It's not working anyway. But guys, thank you so much for uh, being a part of Tag Your It, the podcast the live cast this evening and so uh i know we didn't have the scheduled and we just scheduled this the today anyway but uh you know things happen all the time uh, everything writes itself right dave that is correct yes. everything writes itself content makes itself available to us all the time because we can see that the world suppresses the truth and unrighteousness so mm-hmm. they cannot act without demonstrating their suppression of the truth and their ability their inability to stand on their own claims. Mm-hmm. The worldview that they try to propagate falls apart. Like Oliphant says, it is the quicksand quotient applied all over. And the beauty of our methodology is that it points people to Christ in the end. And we can show how it is, of course, reductio absurdum. It reduces to absurdity. Mm-hmm. And man, we just had a really cool uh, little hiccup happen <laughs> with the FaceTime. So um, we're trying out something new. Um, you know, it's we we haven't been able to do any uh, like video over the phone to Dave and all that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff going on on the computer and all that kind of stuff that uh, we're trying out tonight for the first time live. So be patient with us. We ask you for uh, mercy and grace um, as we uh, kind of continue to upgrade over time and have to deal with things kind of on the fly um, since we're very uh, a- a- informal podcast anyway. So um, thank you for your graciousness on that issue. But anyway, yes, um, the quicksand quotient is, is the big deal. This is tag you This is the transcendental argument for God. This is presuppositional apologetics or um, better yet covenantal apologetics, um, everything dealing with um, the covenant, and uh, really Jesus Christ is the covenant himself um, that we rely on. So the self-attesting Christ, the one that speaks words, who has condescended, if you look in the Westminster Confession, if you look in the London Baptist Confession 7.1, they deal with it. God has condescended um, so that we can have fruition of him and that we can have the reward of life um, through the condensation, through covenant so um that'll be on our lips tonight tonight is um as in every other episode um that you should hear the gospel tonight is definitely where the gospel is going to shine because there was an issue um in the super bowl commercials that's why we're here because the super bowl happened and that it was just going to happen something was going to be said something was going to be done that we could uh deal with and guess what the halftime show was at least clean last night yeah (laughs) it's like the cleanest (laughs) halftime show people are finding it boring well there's your answer. Why are you finding it boring? Because you didn't see half-naked people dancing around the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know any of the songs. It was funny. The yeah. guy, uh, one of the guys from my church that I was sitting with, uh, Dustin Smith, he's like, man, I feel like an old man because I don't even know who this guy is and the music isn't that good. I was yes. like, yeah, I didn't really know. But like the last song, I knew the last song. I had heard it on commercials or something, but I still didn't really know very much about the guy and I'm sure that there's all kinds of great criticism that people can make. I don't know enough about it to really know. So, odd imagery, 
but there you go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, before we get back to talk about, you know, the Chiefs getting blown out, uh, yeah. I just had to do that to you, Dave, as a oh, Broncos right. fan. So now you know how it feels to uh, get blown out in the Super Bowl. Anyway, before we get there, uh, let's uh, just do a couple of things. We've got some announcements anyway. Um, next week, we've got uh, two shows, uh, two for or two for day. Anyway, at uh, 4.30, we will be with Gayla Pruitt, and, uh, and she's got a book that she's written, or at least is a screenplay, but she's put it in book format. Um, this is called Glimmer, um, and we'll be talking to her. She wrote a screenplay, put it into a book, um, and that's at 4.30, right, Dave? Yes, sir, 4.30, right yep. there in the studio next week. Yes, right. And then uh, with her, my former professor at uh, Southwest Baptist University. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of funny. One of my former professors is coming on, and one of my former students is coming on at six o'clock, Gabe Zila, yeah. Gabriel Zila, the newest member of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about how he transitioned from a classical apologist to a presuppositional apologist. And he'll also talk a little bit about how presuppositional apologetics influences and impacts the way that he leads worship because he is a worship pastor. Yeah. Uh, in Kansas City, so outstanding stuff there. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that one that one will get really deep, and that's uh, just going to be a wonderful story. To uh, just uh, you know, it's not just uh, me and Dave here that are uh, presup guys. Or I mean, Will Hoffman, and um, I mean we we've had presup dudes on the show from the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network, but it's growing, and I'm glad to see that uh, you know biblical inerrancy is a big deal, which hopefully will definitely lead to you have to start with the triune god who has condescended again all that uh, that's why um we are what you would call again quote presuppositional apologists so bring him on um just to get another uh view another testimony of coming from um why you know the starting point of man's brains or god's word um that's going to be a great thing so um so Please uh, be here to, uh, next week if you want to go on the Facebook events on our page, uh, Mark Going and stuff. You'll get all the uh, information and the notifications on that. Um, also, um, some big news um, in Tagurit land um, because of yeah. Dave's hard work. And you've seen half of the work anyway. Um, here's the other half of the work. And we want to unveil a new logo, a new ministry of Tagurit. Oh. And right here is Baptist and Reformed Publishing. And I've got the logo up. It's going to show up on your screen, Dave, in about 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, just a little bit later. <laughs> you'll, That's you'll, okay. We'll see what it looks see. like. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we, we are making a publishing arm, anyways, of uh, printed resources. Um, I'll end up writing a book at some sometime, anyway. But uh, we have, uh, Dave, you've got a new book coming out as well on this. And this is right. why we're unveiling Baptist and Reform Publishing. And, yes, it is tongue-in-cheek. Yes, it is a play. We are London Baptist Confessors, which the joke is we stole from Westminster. We're, we're going to play the joke. So, you have Presbyterian and Reform Publishing. Now you have Baptist and Reform Publishing. That is the whole point. Anyway, but you know, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to put up the image of your book, Dave, and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so in the book that we will, of course, do a show on completely, uh, it is essentially demonstrating that the 1978 Chicago Statement was not some statement that was brought about in modernity. In fact, it's a summation of the position that the church has held throughout history. Um, the reality is that the church has always confessed inerrancy, but they didn't really have a term for it. Uh, B.B. Warfield was one of the first people to actually use the term inerrancy because 
there was a lot of ambiguity that was forced into the term infallibility. We saw this around the early 20th century, that there were scholars who were saying, yeah, I believe that the Bible is infallible, but there's some errors here and here and there. Uh, and so it brought about a necessity, as we see in church history, right, such as the Nicene Creed. Those things and those statements were brought about because the times called for Orthodox evangelicals, Orthodox Protestants, to put forward a statement that clearly defined the historical teaching of the church on the doctrine of Scripture. And in fact, it's just uh, essentially a funneling down, uh, as I read today in another book, that the doctrine of inerrancy is essentially a crystallization of the four classic truths or the four classic uh, uh, four classic statements about Scripture itself. That is, Scripture is, of course, authoritative. Scripture is, of course, nece- necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture is um, sufficient, right? And Scripture is clear. And those four positions kind of crystallize in that doctrine of inerrancy. And so, mm-hmm. in the book, I give a very good biblical, uh, starting with Christ, then with the apostles, and then throughout every section of church history, direct quotations that affirm the inerrancy of Scripture. And then I demonstrate how they line up directly with the doctrine of inerrancy as stated in the 1978 Chicago Statement. Yeah, um, We kind of finalize the book by uh, allowing individuals to see when someone argues for the doctrine of inerrancy as stated in the Chicago Statement, how it holds up to scrutiny. Um, and, of course, that was a debate that we did last year on yeah. January 6th. And then, because I want to be fair, I did allow Phil to offer some of his final pieces, uh, his final statement on the debate as, as a whole. But I think you'll see his arguments are very arbitrary, uh, and that becomes very clear when you read his afterthoughts on the debate itself. Yeah. And so that will all be put into a book, uh, and we will have it. For anyone who would like to purchase it, uh, we'll have a good fair price for it. And you can get either the digital copy on Amazon or you'll be able to order a hard copy. And we would encourage you to order one of each and give one away to someone. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, so that's a really exciting news coming up. Um, the, you know, There'll be another book out um, as Dave and I are... To, uh, Last year, we were submitting a paper about uh, apologetics and podcasting. We'll get to do that again this year. It'll happen. Um, you know, COVID got in the way. Our, the decisions of men because of COVID got in the way. Like so that. this year, it's not happening. <laughs> or it, 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 so that's not happening like it did last year. So we will be going there. Um, and then consequently, there will be another book uh, to put out on Baptist and Reform Publishing. And then hopefully I can get something um, written up on Great Commission Apologetics. Anyway, that's kind of where where I'm at to work on. So we'll have some really cool stuff coming up. It'll take some time or whatever, but we just want to let you guys know about that new ministry. Hopefully you guys get excited about it. And if there's anyone out there that is a covenant uh, you know, 1689 Baptist person. If you like to write, if you want to write something, write it, uh, submit it to us. We'll read it. And we would like to support uh, more uh, 1689 type of folks um, and, you know, theology, soteriology, whatever you got. 
um, send it and we will, we would do our best that we can do with what we have anyway and, and support you and like to smack our little label, uh, on the back of your book and help. So anyway, um, now we'll get back, uh, to that, uh, really awesome blowout Super Bowl that we watched last night <laughs> <laughs> for you cheese fans. Again, I'm, I'm doing this as an awesome, um, also as a Broncos fan that can't say a whole lot either. So. <laughs> so anyway yeah, we're not going to pull these distinctions we're going to talk about jesus christ we're going to talk about our identity in jesus christ and how that is the only middle ground jesus being the mediator between god and man the only the only way to be reconciled to one another is being reconciled to god first and that's how you get how you get to love god love neighbor make sense of everything so um last night um during the commercials of the super bowl um there was a commercial that we're probably all talking about i haven't been around a whole lot i wasn't in the shop today this is the day off so not a lot of stuff uh you know hearing a lot of stuff going around but anyway i heard some podcasts my wife was listening to and they were talking about it too but it's the uh, special commercial of bruce springsteen um selling jeeps and selling ideology and then so that's uh what i got a hold of dave i'm like hey you want to talk about this tonight this is something fresh um right off the presses of history now um so and dave you uh obliged yes yeah, so i'm glad to do it <laughs> yeah so i know um i don't know if you watched the super bowl dave and uh if you ended I up did. seeing this commercial you did yeah we won't talk about it we won't talk about the super bowl we're here to talk about bruce springsteen <laughs> and the jeep anyway so um what we wanted to do is to set this up for you um there was a lot of imagery used in this uh in this uh video and so what we want to do is we want to take away the imagery we want you to listen intently to the message of this uh, commercial that was put out and then without the imagery so if you haven't heard it before that good for you good for you now listen to it and and really go what did what did bruce springsteen say in there um what was jeep, jeep trying to say um in in the video um if you have seen the video then please get rid of the images out of your mind just listen to the words here and we're playing it at 1.5 speed There's a chapel in Kansas, standing on the exact center of the lower 48. It never closes. All are more than welcome to come meet here in the middle. It's no secret. The middle has been a hard place to get to lately, between red and blue, between servant and citizen, between our freedom and our fear. Now fear has never been the best of who we are. And as for freedom, it's not the property of just the fortunate few. It belongs to us all. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, is what connects us, and we need that connection. We need the middle. We just have to remember the very soil we stand on is common ground, so we can get there. We can make it to the mountaintop, through the desert, and we will cross this divide. Our light has always found its way through the darkness, and there's hope on the road up ahead. Well, I saw this commercial. I heard what it had to say. And I mean, we'll we'll get back to it, but it's the end that got me. Well, there's a few things yeah. in my mind that I think need to be clarified. One of the things that I think is important for us to consider is that one of the trends that we have seen 
throughout advertising over the last probably 10 years is this virtue signaling identification. Um, one of the means by which a company tries to advertise is to connect you with a value system that they believe will resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Now, their ads essentially are arguments. And by argument, we mean simply providing reasons for the basis of a conclusion. And mm-hmm. that's from uh, Norman Geisler. I like the way that he says that. And that's why I wanted to actually use his uh, piece there. An argument is providing reasons for a basis of a conclusion. Now, mm-hmm. the conclusion is buy Jeeps, right? But Jeep is not making it that simple. And, of course, this is a trend we've seen in advertising. When you buy a product, you're enforcing a value system or you're affirming a value system. So Jeep wants to identify itself with a set of values and with a set of ideals. The problem is, what are those ideals? Because if a company keeps or makes those ideals too objective and too concrete, they're going to polarize people. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to find some type of uh, value system that has a very universal appeal. And so by grabbing someone like Bruce Springsteen, who advocated strongly against the Republican candidate for president, Trump, and advocated strongly for Joe Biden, there's Mm -hmm. a value system that they're trying to reinforce. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me yeah go for it adam oh, no, 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 no. you go ahead i was i was so, agreeing with you yes <laughs> so the idea is all right here's a guy who is polarizing but we don't want polarizing we want to demonstrate a, a type of unity so what is it that we're trying to make an argument for in this unification and what they actually do very systematically is they set up essentially what I find to be a bunch of premises, right? That they're trying to uh, inductively draw you into and make the conclusion, ah, yes, I agree with these things. These are the value systems of Jeep. Jeep is my go-to vehicle. And I do like Jeeps, by the way, but not because of this value system. But the question that we really need to ask from a Christian worldview is, is this a value system? And is this a value system that we can affirm and what is the value, the truth value, essentially, of each of the statements that they're putting forward? Like, what is the value system that it's reinforcing? Do mm-hmm. their premises actually stand up when we scrutinize them under a Christian worldview? And that's essentially what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, just from, again, just to, just to throw this out there for the imagery part, um, you know, there was a chapel, you know, there was a uh, little piece where there's three crosses. Um, you know, the countryside, all that kind of stuff, all, all the stuff mingled in there, never really explain like particular mm. particulars in here. And that's what we're getting into, um, with this, but this is definitely reaching out, um, to a, there's a sense of, there is something in culture that we have to bow to at least to persuade. That's um, right. And so, you know, I heard a story earlier this week of somebody talking about, um, the Rosa Parks issue. Now Rosa Parks wasn't the uh, first person to actually not stand up on the bus or, or not, not to stand up and go to the back um, to get up for a white person. Um, there was somebody actually before her, but they couldn't use her because she was young. She had a she was pregnant out of wedlock and all that stuff. And so they're trying to play 
the whole issue as a victim of, well, we couldn't use the first person because she would have been under scrutiny for other things uh, in her life. And so we needed somebody more pure like Rosa Parks to then appeal to the white people to be able to tell our story. And I, so there, you know, that's, that's the way that this whole um, culture is appealing. It's like, they have to appeal to Christianity because it's a power structure um, to then try to pull people out so that they can tear the power structure down. That's what's really happening here. Um, If you, if you really knew what you're talking about and what the, what the academics are doing and this whole political system um, that's that's uh, been and what they've been saying anyway. That's really what's going on with this commercial. This so there's nothing different um, in the recent history of what's been talked about about what's being said in this commercial. Um, but what they're trying to do is appeal to um, the vestiges of Christianity, at least yeah, visually. Yeah, within ten seconds. Yeah. Within ten seconds in the visual element. Now I want to get more into the verbal element yeah. since obviously. Our main focus is the podcasting piece, but I want to remind you, within 10 seconds of the video, right, playtime, there is the image of the center point chapel, right, which is a little bitty chapel I went to when I was nine. My dad took me there, Uh, and it is very clear just from the chapel itself that this is a Christian chapel. It was established by Christians. Historically, I, I'm making a bit of, of an assumption, mm. but knowing that it's in Kansas, particularly central Kansas, we also know that there's a heavy Wesleyan influence in Kansas. There is multiple Methodist churches in the state of Kansas, mm. and that is traditional historic Methodism. So when that chapel was established, it was probably built by a group of Methodists. If not Methodists, we know that they were Protestant in mm. some form or another. And that's simply clear because the way that the chapel is built structurally, the fact that there are no crucifixes on it, the fact that it actually follows the traditional, what I would say, yeah, traditional or classic evangelical church building. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you could take the building itself, and if you made it larger, it would be just exactly like Crossway Baptist Church, right, in yeah. Springfield, or like First Baptist Church in Buffalo. There's a steeple, and there is a cross, mm-hmm. a Christian symbol, appealed to right away. So when you use the terminology, and what I'd like to do, Adam, I think we touched the base on this, let's go through and let's just unpack the way that these words are used and think only about the meanings of the words, because guess what? From a Christian worldview, we recognize that words have meaning. But are you ready? Even the discipline of logic itself presupposes that words have objective meaning. Yeah. Arbitrary meaning is to be re- to be reduced. Definitions reduce arbitrariness, and they also reduce the vagueness. And there is a great deal of vagueness and arbitrariness that is going to be used in this. Uh, in this ad, just absent even of the physical symbols. Uh, And so you can see massive problems. When you add in the physical imagery, you actually create a stronger uh, appeal to what evangelicals would would understand. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So here we go, line by line, let's have some fun.
There's a chapel in Kansas standing on the exact center of the lower 48. Yeah, cool. There's a chapel in Kansas. And, I, and I'm going to have to look at uh, what, what we're going on what here. Was but it yeah, for? There's a chapel in Kansas standing on the exact center of the lower 48. Okay. Yeah, there's a chapel. Okay. Great. Okay. Why was explain. the chapel ever established? Yeah. What caused people? Is it a Christian chapel? Uh, is it a chapel that is used regularly? Is it just an open chapel? And he tells us in the next statement that, that it never closes. Here we go. It never closes. There we go. Great. Now we're lined up. Yeah. <laughs> so Who is it opened up to? Who is it appealing to? Who is it inviting in? Yeah. Is the chapel a, again, an evangelical chapel? Is it a Christian chapel? Right? You can tell when you use the term chapel itself, you're appealing to some type of a universal that needs clarified. Yeah, but without That's that. great that it's there. Yeah, but with the context that we get it, it's a in the center of the lower 48. So this is an American chapel. Bingo. Based upon American values, obviously it was established for a reason. There was a group of evangelicals who put it together on that point in order to accomplish something. Yeah. What was it that, that was their underlying purpose in accomplishing it? Well, we know that Christians build chapels because they have a historical context. It's a place where you gather with the church, believers, the elect, to worship God. It's a place where God touches his people, mm. his elect, his saved. That is why you built a, build a chapel. You just don't build it there for it to just collect dust and fall apart. You build it as a meeting place between God and man. In a way, it's almost like the tabernacle, mm -hmm. right? Or, or almost like any type of uh, any type of Jewish synagogue, a place where God and man touch. Yeah, and so if you're okay, if you take the imagery and you set it side by side with the message right now, now you're getting the equivocation of. Well, we're not going to say Christian. We're going to just say lower 48 America. Um, and then, but we're going to see all the Christian symbols over here in uh, imagery land. But, you know, just again, let's take it away. What you hear is there's a chapel in America that never closes. So I'm not going to tell you any more specifics other than that it's in America. It's right in the middle and it never closes. And then we'll continue on here. All are more than welcome to come meet here in the middle. Okay, and all are more than welcome to come meet here in the middle. So, it's an American chapel, not a Christian chapel. And it's all can come here, whoever all is. And we can meet in the middle. So, multiple things need defined. Who is all, like you just stated, mm -hmm. all are welcome. Do you mean that Jehovah Witnesses are welcome? Well, we can't have Jehovah Witnesses there because we have a cross. Mm -hmm. How about militant Islamists? Are they welcome? No, they're not welcome because a militant jihadist Muslim does want to kill Christians. Mm -hmm. Likewise, what about non-Americans? It's in the lower 48. You've already given us a little bit of vagueness reduced when you say in the lower 48. 
So obviously, American citizens are part of that vagueness that was reduced by the very fact that you said in the lower 48. So you're actually making it clear. We want Americans to come to this. But because of the imagery and because of the type of chapel, you've likewise reduced the vagueness to demonstrate actually Christians who worship the triune God of Scripture because it's a chapel. So you have mm. to, again, presuppose they have to recognize that there is a transcendent God that they're meeting with because that's why the chapel was established in the first place. Mm -hmm. And what in the world do you mean by the middle? Because here's the thing. Everyone's welcome to meet in the middle. Now, obviously, that word is uh, intentionally ambiguous. It's a symbolic statement, right? Mm -hmm. That symbolic statement means something. What does it mean to meet in the middle? Does yeah. it mean to agree with everyone on everything? Well, for the Christians who established the chapel, they actually had a purpose for it. So yeah. we can actually apply their intentions to the sim symbology of the word middle. For Christians, the middle is Christ. The middle is the gospel. Why yeah. do they create churches? Why do they create chapels? For people to hear the gospel. And guess what? If you go in the chapel itself, you'll find a Bible, by the way. I've been there. I've sat in the pews. I've stood behind the pulpit where there is a Bible. And guess what? When you go there, you're also welcomed with more than one thing. There's these little pieces of paper that they give out, right? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? And it says on these little pieces of paper where it has the United States, the lower 48, and a cross, Christian imagery, but again, not a crucifix, so Protestant Christian imagery, there's this statement on this little piece of paper that they give you. And it has 1 John 2.25. This is the promise that he promised us, even eternal life. And then it has a little prayer below it. Mm. Lord, help me to keep my mind fixed on the true way of salvation. So for Bruce Springsteen and the writers of this commercial, the middle was intentionally vague, but mm. because of the context of the location yeah. and even the underlying position that caused them to want to meet uh, to Christians to want to make this chapel, the middle is Christ. Yes. And he's the, the again, the he's the, uh, the mediator. So if there's any sort of middleness that we talk about, we talk about how Christ is in the middle between a wrathful father and us, the ones that deserve wrath. And Jesus is the mediator for his people who took on their sin. He became sin who knew no sin so that we could be the righteousness of God which we there is the chosen people. It's not everybody. So if we go into John um, 1, it makes that distinction that, you know, Jesus being the light, um, right. light enlightens every man, but only those who have received him. That's right. John right. chapter 1, verse 9, yeah. the true light, which gives light to everyone, was come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Here's the problem with the statement. It assumes some type of neutrality. Yeah. That was not the reason that those Christians built that Christian chapel. Yeah, here's here they didn't yeah. assume neutrality. Yeah, and here's the reason why they they built it because if you go to the end of Revelation after you've seen the new heavens, you know the New Jerusalem come out of heaven, which is the bride of Christ, because the New Jerusalem is the people that God chooses and lives and and dwells them. 
and you get to the very end after the river of life and everything, and it says, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So you don't go there to meet in the middle with other Americans. You go there to hear the word of God, the gospel preached, because you are done. And so this, this message comes into a culture that seemingly we're done with fighting, right? We're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. Um, we are disagreeing, we're disagreeing, we're disagreeing. But again, it, the only way to not have a disagreement here is to come to Christ. And so the Christians that built this, maybe, maybe they, they said, hey, this is the middle of America, and we want to establish the gospel in the middle of America, Ooh. to have a chapel in the middle of America for the, as a symbol of the word going out to the coastlands. That's north, right. South, east, and west. And so it again, which to come and try to agree that there is some type of neutrality. That's yeah. the exact opposite of what that place represents. It mm-hmm. doesn't it represent neutrality. No matter how much you want to do it, you cannot, you cannot in any way suppress that reality by the very language of chapel, by the reasoning that undergirds what a chapel is, the place where man and God meet. There is no neutrality. There is, by necessity, a mediator that has to come that, again, makes God and man be able to touch. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Can I agree if the definition of the middle is meeting Jesus Christ? I will agree to that. But unfortunately, we've already had it established this is a chapel. It's an American chapel. And it's where all Americans can come and meet in the middle. On what? Again, so basically, it sounds like, you know, this is going to appeal to the Christian mind. It's going to appeal to it because, yeah, we want reconciliation. Yes, we are thirsty for justice because we've got to remember who is thirsty for righteousness. We've got to remember the word righteousness is also the same as justice. Righteousness and justice are the same Greek word, just depending on the context of which way it is rendered here. So we are in a time where people are seeking justice. They are thirsty for justice and righteousness. And it's this chapel that is the symbol of the bride of Christ as a place to come and meet in the middle, the mediator of Jesus Christ. Again, and this is selling you stealing language. This, this commercial is stealing salvation and redemption. And applying that to buying Jeeps and yes. social justice. Yes, exactly. So don't be fooled and deceived. This is how Eve was Eve was deceived very subtly. Satan didn't have to do much. He was crafty. It says so. And Satan is, you know, the the influence of Satan is still here then the depraved hearts of men and they're just as crafty as their father, just like the Pharisees and Jesus called them out, you are your father the devil. They were just as crafty. They were just as deceived and they were just as ready to deceive. And that's why Jesus said that you shut out the kingdom of heaven to them, right? And so we need to really understand um, the deception that is happening now because it's a pattern and it's going to be a pattern and, and, you know, in, in history. And so we can't be deceived by these things. And so we're not, you know, you can have the, all the Christian imagery as you want, but when you divorce the imagery, we've already seen that this is just vague platitudes already. And uh, and they're trying to sell you more than just the jeep. They're trying to sell you on the soup de jour of social justice. Go for it, Dave. 
Go for it. Now go ahead and hit the next statement right. there. It's no secret. The middle has been a hard place to get to lately. Between red and blue. So the middle here is now defined. It's a political middle. So we've got an American chapel. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm an American chapel where there's a middle for Americans to can come and meet in the middle of the polls of red and blue, Republican and Democrat. So now we well, have our identity. Either you're a Republican and a Democrat, you've been fighting, it's been hard to get in the middle lately. This is a political ad. Well, and here's the deal about this. The worldview that undergirds this entire commercial is borrowing and living off of borrowed capital of the mm -hmm. Christian worldview. Number one, it's presupposing human dignity. Number two, it's presupposing reasoning. Mm -hmm. It's presupposing a value system. The problem is the value system can't account for any of these positions. There's no way for the, what I would say is, relativistic worldview that we see of, again, purely secularist nature to even begin to define particulars. And you said it was we were talking before. There is no middle for relativism. No. There is no starting place for relativism. You see, the problem is it's assuming value that it can't account for, but it's assuming that there's some type of middle value system mm -hmm. when there is no value system that can be defined because it's purely subjective because it has no authority. There is no starting place. It is assuming neutrality. But neutrality of what? Neutrality for what? Yeah. There are so many universals without any particulars that there's no definition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, basically, we, yeah, we're, we're stuck in the one. I mean, I've, I've said this on multiple episodes now. Um, this is Van Til. Um, Rush Dooney loved it, too. And we need to really understand philosophically, you know, Plato was talking about a realm of forms, right? He was talking about yes. this realm that's somewhere out there. He was a dualist. He didn't know where to put it, though, where it, can, where it exists or anything like that. And he himself had to say, I need a myth to be able to connect the two. Um, but he didn't have it. And he didn't believe in Yahweh. He didn't, you know, at the time, this is before Christ and everything, but he still had, like, God has always had his witness. And he right. did not bend the knee to the God of Israel. And so he'd had no way to make sense of the forms, and he failed, and we're still failing today. We think we're smart. And so either you can talk about all these platitudes, you can talk about the universals, the forms all day, but you're not saying anything. And literally, well, if you problem, take away the imagery, you're just hearing the vagueness. Well, and Adam, the problem is when he says, the middle has been a hard place to get to lately, the problem is, has the middle in a relativistic worldview ever yeah. been a place that you could get to? Because there's no starting place. It's yeah. simply ideals that are particular that yeah. do not have a universal application. Yeah, when, when did the, when, I'd have to ask, when were we ever in the middle? Bingo. I, was, I grew up and there was, I, I remember always fighting politically. Even if it wasn't as uh, blatant as it is today, as that we're talking about it, there was always a this this versus them mentality. No matter if it was uh, skin based, if it's political based, if it's even like barbershop to barbershop or cosmetologist versus barber 
or, you know, just whatever sort of two things you want to pit against each other, like they're in antithesis um, with each other. Um, there's always the struggle. There has never been a true middle, and I don't even get the centerist. I mean, if we are, if we live in a time of, well, if we live in a relativistic universe, right, you know, it's like we're looking up uh, to the stars with our telescopes, and it looks like we're in the middle of the vast space that we're seeing but then if we were on another planet with the same telescope it would look like we're in the middle of vast space and you know like you can do that all day but where is the middle have we even ever been in the middle so you know to say that being in the middle has been hard to get in the middle what does that even mean well and again adam here's the issue for those who established the christian chapel as we know through the symbols that are used mm -hmm. and again what were the motivations of these people? Their position is very clearly guided by Scripture that there is no neutrality, there is no middle with man, because mm -hmm. men are God-haters. Romans chapter 3, yeah. verse 10, no one's righteous, no one's, no one, no, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. So their idea of a middle, being Christ is the mediator, is impossible for anyone to get to yeah yeah and so what we're really seeing here is i don't know if you guys have heard of hegel but there's the what's called the hegelian synthesis and it's where you take basically right now we're seeing red and blue and people believe it is a um they're at antithesis of each other and so what he is asking for is we meet in the middle we take the two antithesis right and we put them together and we synthesize a new thesis that's what's going on here so this is all philosophical mumbo jumbo. Um, really, uh, Hegel was, I think, used by Marx as well. I don't think they totally agreed on the same philosophy, definitely. But um, there is a philosophical thing going on here that goes unnoticed because people don't know philosophy, and it's and it's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> the people can be too lofty um, to and, and not really get understand this stuff as a practical value but i think we're definitely um at in the face right now where understanding philosophy of the past uh, we need even even just the normal house person needs to understand a bit of philosophical history and stuff like that to know where this stuff is coming from and what world views this is coming from and then it is it, it is at antithesis with christianity and there's no way to actually synthesize and make a new thesis and this is what's happening is is you're seeing the imagery of Christianity, you're hearing nationalism, Americanism, and print, and now there's your antithesis, right? You have Christianity, which can't agree with the Americanism, and now we've got to make a new synthesis. We've got to make a new religion. Bingo. Think about that. So this is not a good commercial. It's it, you can think it's lofty and inspirational. It's absurd. It's vapid. It is empty. And you're never going to bring the two together. There is no neutrality. Jesus said himself, whoever is not for me is against me. There is no neutral ground. He brings a sword. He didn't come to bring peace. He didn't come to condemn the world yet. But that the world may be saved through him. But he also, another co-equal truth is that he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That's right. And that's what we see whenever Christ ends up going up to the Ancient of Days where there was a scroll that nobody could open up. Nobody was worthy to open up. And he opens up the scroll and what comes out? A sword flies out. Justice flies out. And it's Christ putting everything underneath his feet. 
and that's what's happening there. So again, we can't. This is this is a commercial. If you if you please go online and search Hegel, this will blow your mind. I'm not necessarily blow your mind. You'll actually go. I understand this now. This is philosophy that's been in academia. I'm sorry to say this to you, but the institutions, uh, the public education institutions, are churches. They are religious, and they are producing pastors and evangelists and all the people um, that they need to get to you and your children and everything to take you captive in your sin and uh, bring you to their own religion. Between servant and citizen, between our freedom and our fear. So we got antithesis there. More antithesis. Again, looking at the worldview that even caused those people to establish the chapel in comparison, what caused them? They recognized that man was a slave to sin. John 8.34 Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is slave to sin. Between mm-hmm. servant and citizen, wait a second, that dichotomy doesn't make sense mm-hmm. in a secularist worldview because you can identify as anything yeah. you want. Yeah. But in a Christian worldview that undergirded the foundation by which that chapel was established, people recognize, no, you are a slave to sin or you are a citizen of the new heavens and new earth because of the mediator, yes, Christ the middle. Jesus, who set you free. Yeah. And in Christ, you're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is a very clear appeal to this idea that guess what? There are servants and citizens. Oh, wait, no, there's not. In a secularist worldview, you can identify as whatever you want. And what is a servant and what is a citizen in a secularist worldview? Void of American ideology, because automatically the American ideology goes all the way back to, oh, we're talking about slaves. We're talking about Americanized chattel slavery. Yeah. So he's appealing to a mindset that is, oh, those people who were, uh, those people who were oppressed servants, those people who are still oppressed, and those people who are making the rules, they can meet in the middle. Can they really meet mm-hmm. in the middle? Sin would block that. That's why they need the middle, the mediator, yeah. not some idealist universal. Mediator. Again, and let's let's talk about Plato again. What is what is the Republic? What was Rome? What are we? If, I mean, uh, yeah, we want to cry out democracy, but we're also a republic, too. We recognize that the Republic of Rome failed and, and needed help. And where do you find that? You find that in the Old Testament where the church and state are separated, where people are represented, yet have a say. And you find that because the knowledge of Christ is stinking awesome. And you go to the scriptures and you find out that they were written for our instruction. And you go back in the Old Testament and then you just rip out the pages. And guess what? I don't care if atheist, deist, whoever whoever wasn't a Christian that signed that Declaration of Independence, they bowed to Christ whenever they signed that document. Because the only worldview that can make sense of why they were establishing America and uh, the idea of being being created and having 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 rights that other people can't take away from you, it's only because you're created in the image of God and uh, he's the one that has the right over you. So even even they recognize that there's no autonomy when it comes to statecraft, um, when it comes to who you are as a being. And so they bowed to Christ. I don't care. You can appeal to 
deist all day. Oh, Thomas Jefferson was, I don't care. He, he bowed the knee to Jesus Christ when he wrote that document and he, uh, you know, he did it probably to save his skin. A lot of deists and atheists probably did it to save their sin because they didn't want to go back to England um, where there was tyranny, right? So they, they had to bow to Jesus Christ to get what they were doing. <laughs> you know, that's at least for my worldview. Anyway, that's, that would be the interpretation of what, what happened there. Um, but we have all these uh, dichotomies again, freedom and fear. Mm. You know, we have, we have the what red and blue. We have, yeah, all these things. So yeah, what is freedom and what is fear? These are two. Freedom from what? Yeah. Fear from what? Yeah. Again, extremely ambiguous. And, and again, from a Christian worldview, we would actually say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs yeah. one seven. There's a good type of fear. And guess what? The people who established that chapel and the Bible that sits in it contains Proverbs one seven. There is a right type of fear. Mm. Fear of righteous wrath from God that you deserve. And as a non-neutral agent, you won't be truly fearful of what you need to be fearful of. Yeah. And again, freedom from what? What are we getting freedom from? It's never been the best of who we are. Fear? Yeah, fear has never been the best of who we are. I don't know if I've gotten us there yet. Now, fear has never been the best of who we are. Well, um, if you're thinking only this side of the fall... Um, where whenever uh, they ate of the fruit, they saw themselves naked and they ran and tried to atone for themselves with fig leaves. We, we yeah, we, we're that kind of fear. Yeah, it's not the best of who we are, but it is now. Here's, here's the thing is when it comes to the fall and the fact that God allows us to still exist and breathe and enjoy his rain and his sunshine, things look absurd. Things are not right and we know it yet depending on where you start with a naturalistic starting point, you know, well, the, these are just mistakes and they work themselves out over time or it's sin, but God allows us to live. And that's the grace that God has given us to, to go, you know, me, I've been nothing but good to you. And, uh, you can stay in your rebellion if you want, but I'm going to, I'm still going to have people. I'm my, my world's not going to return to me void and I will have what I want. I will get what I want to get. Because I am God, I created all this. Um, and so, you know, there, there is a fear, and it is not the best thing, but it's the best that you got. So, it's right. the, yeah, it's, it's all you have is fear. If you're not in Christ, all you have is fear. And you don't like it, but then again, you don't want to do what it takes. You don't want to come and submit yourself um, to being the derivative image bearer you are, because you know what that entails. It entails you're not God, and entails that this... This world is not ours, and we have to submit to that, and we have to submit to a greater law, a greater law that you know we can't live up to. But then again, you come to the gospel, and the the absurd thing is the gospel is easy. Christ's yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And we we would rather take the chains off. And this is one thing that even from Dave Ramsey, one thing from Dave Ramsey that I can keep on quoting to you is people love their debt because it's their debt, and they go, "This is mine. It's debt." But it's mine, <laughs> and and that's what we do with our sin. Well, it's a, it's stinky. It's a pile. It's not going to get me anywhere. It's weighing me down. But it's mine. And so you know, where's the gospel so far in this message? Nowhere yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. But yeah, we've got all these weird dichotomies. But you know, fear is the best thing that we can do 
is fearing the Lord, because that's the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Uh, the Holy One is Jesus Christ, who Paul has said that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So there's the Old Testament and the New Testament agreeing, and it's all freeing and centered in the middle on our mediator, Jesus Christ. We're going to have to take a bigger swath here. It's not, we wanna, huh? We're going to have to take a little bit bigger swath if we want to okay, get done. Okay, uh, yeah, let's get it done. <laughs> property of just the fortunate few. It belongs to us all. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, is what connects us. So, again, freedom. Freedom connects us. Freedom belongs to us all. This sounds to me like Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? They're wanting freedom. They want to get rid of the chains. And what is God doing? He's laughing. That's right. And so freedom does not belong to sinners and rebels. What and connects Go for it. What connects those dead in sin is their deadness in sin mm-hmm. and their hatred of God. So they're slaves to their deadness to sin, John 8:34. Their connectedness is that they hate God. They don't want to meet in the middle for real. They want to redefine the middle mm-hmm. as some type of vague uh, neutrality that doesn't exist, has never existed. Man hates God, and man hates man because man has the image of God in him. Yeah, so really Even from the... the dead man. <laughs> yeah, so if you open, went to that chapel, you opened up the Bible, you're going to read Psalm 2, and you're going to say, yes, uh, freedom is what we're connected in, and it's us trying to break free of God. So yes, you are connected in rebellion. This is why, you know, uh, that I speak against uh, Freemasonry as I do, because we are not all God's children anymore. We are God's emancipated children, and we are only adopted children in the mediator, in the middle, between, uh, with Jesus Christ being in the middle between us and him. Which so again, makes yeah. me think, Adam, make sure we get a anti-Mason resolution at the Missouri Baptist Convention. That would be fun, but yeah, yeah, that would be another little <laughs> side issue. But anyway, yeah, so this is all, um, you know... You get into Freemasonry, you get into Jean-Jacques Rousseau and probably why they made a secret society to hide from the church because they're trying to get into all this enlightenment stuff anyway, <laughs> if you look at how it works out. But that's a that's an aside story. But this is, again, that's, that's a part of American history. Um, and that's why we are here today talking about what we're talking about today, social contract, all that kind of stuff. Again, we're trying to make a new synthesis of the two things that we can't ever put together, which is religion because everybody's religious and secularism and we're trying to make a synthesis of because we have now recognized if i as i've said and this is why in that debate i guess it's 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 important um the sacred secular dichotomy has not worked and it has failed and we have found it to be antithetical and now we've got to make a synthesis of the sacred and the secular making humanist religion there we go i got it out of me well said, <laughs> and that's, Adam. And that's well what this said. commercial actually. If if you it's don't cool. like fascism, if you don't like socialism, here's this is on whichever spectrum you want it to be because it's going to meet in the middle. So how can you put fascism and socialism together, other than a bloodbath? We'll continue. <laughs> I 
Oops. Well, let's actually, uh, somehow my fat thumbs uh, hit stuff, but yeah, we'll go on and I'll just read um, from here. So whoever you are, wherever you're from, that's what connect us, uh, connects us, and that is freedom. Um, and we need that connection. We need the middle. Again, vapid, empty talk. But then again, like what I said, the middle, the middle is, is Christ. We mm -hmm. need the gospel. For the people who built that chapel, the middle was Christ where God entered into flesh mm -hmm. to save humanity, where God actually became man and allowed man to meet with God and be joined with God. Mm -hmm. That's the middle. That's the true defined middle by those people who established that chapel. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, yes. 1 Timothy 2.5. Again, I just love... People don't want the middle. Dead and sin don't want the middle. They want to redefine the middle. Yeah. But they want to do so cloaking it with terms that somehow make a connection with Christianity. Yeah. To redefine and rewrite a new Because religion. it is the power structure that they're trying to dismantle. And guess what? I'm going to tell you right now. Um, Christianity is a power structure, but not a natural power structure. God owns everything. This is his world. He has sent his son. He has given him authority over all things, over all thrones and dimension and, and dominions, and also the church. So he's both over the church and state. You can separate the church and the state, but you can't separate the church from God or the state from God here. And so, yes, you are recognizing authority and power, but it's not me trying to have power over you. I'm just a beggar trying to help people, other beggars, find bread. That's all we can do. We can act like uh, we know this stuff. Paul said, why are you acting as though you haven't received these? So I can only act as one that has received grace upon grace, has received the word of God, has had it washed over me, not by my own doing. So I, whenever I say anything, I'm not trying to have power over anybody. I'm just going to say, no, God has power. He has spoken. He is doing. And this is what's going to happen if you do not bow the knee to the really a lord and savior not not just a, a somebody that is in perpetual wrath he wants he's given the gospel because he loves his creation and he is calling people to himself so i'm not doing this as a white person trying to be have power over people i'm doing this as it's been spoken it's been spoken this is all i got and i have That's to right. submit to it and i would like you as well because i don't want this for you and mm -hmm. I want you to be with me as a brother or a sister um, in eternity, enjoying the the awesomeness that it is our Savior. Um, and that's why yeah. those folks made that chapel. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, as we continue, it says, we just have to remember the very soil we stand on is common ground, and that is naturalism. So we, now we find out what the middle is. It's yes. not Jesus. It's not the gospel. It is nature. Bingo. And in that ad, that's when he has the dust in his hand. Yeah. What he's saying very clear is we're space dust. Yeah. So and middle ground is nothing. Is, so let's let's meet on the middle to, middle ground yeah. of nothingness. You're appealing to a transcendent truth that you can't account for and you can't explain. That's because the image of God is in you, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um Go ahead, continue, Adam. Oh, Sorry. Right, but I was just going to say, yeah, it, re it reduces you to just the pond scum you came out of. You're a random happenstance manifestation of it. Um, this is the problem of Buddhism, Hinduism, 
um, just any of those uh, monistic um, thought religions and stuff like that. And okay, we got Dave back there. I was sorry, I got distracted there for a second while you paused. Um, but anyway, With my wife yeah. calling me, telling me I need to come. <laughs> wrap home. it up, wrap it up, and we we will wrap it up real soon. But anyways, uh, but basically. If you don't have the gospel, if you don't have an objective transcendent, all you have is the dirt. And if that's all it is, then that's all you are. And you are really nothing. You walk on that stuff all the time. Uh, we dig it up. We put our dead bodies in it. We rot. And that's it. And so why try to find middle ground whenever really, hey, Darwinian evolution says, hey, I can do whatever I want. I, I can win this debate by shooting you. I can be president by lying and stealing. I can be whatever I want to be and just be pragmatic and whatever works to my ends, I can do. And so, again, the, the, this uh, worldview that is presented here self-destructs. So it says, so we can get there. No, you just self-destructed whenever you just said the last line. And we can make it to the mountaintop. Again, biblical language, mountains are governments. And the only mountain that we, that we can ascend, or we can't ascend any mountain, but if you, uh, I'm trying to think of the psalm, psalm, uh, who can ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place? The problem is yeah. he's appealing to the mountaintop as if it's human flourishing. Yeah. But what is the definition of human flourishing? Like, if America is this great thing, what was the ultimate goal of its founders? But they've rejected that idea yeah. of its founders. And if you follow critical theory and critical race theory, those were just power enforcers perpetuating a structure of evil that is now defined as evil by the secularist culture who wants to redefine everything, even the very dualistic reality or the binary that male, male and female. Yeah. Guess what? The Christians can't go there. We yeah. can't go there because we have God's authoritative word. So yeah. their definition of human flourishing or a secularist view of human flourishing is incredibly divergent, and there is no neutral ground between the two. Yeah, yeah. And so we can make it apparently above the... No, we can't make the mountain. Jesus Christ is the only one that ascended the mountain of God. And now that mountain is above all other mountains. Again, that's prophetic language. So all the governments, again, Christ is above them. All the, all the uh, mountains were made low, and all the valleys were brought up at the cross. And now we got this mountain hovering over, and that is God's, God's world. That's his people, and that's his authority. And we can only ascend it through Jesus Christ, who has ascended the mountain for us. Um, that's what the psalmist was talking about, and then that's what we find in Jesus Christ um, taking over the governments, um, because in his death and burial, in his resurrection and ascension. And so it also goes on to say we can make it through the desert, um, and we will cross this divide again. They're wanting to set up a new religion here, and the yeah. last final image is the uh, the closer. But um, but whenever we get there, here is again. Here's the spot that I caught. Um, just the dry, the first dry run. If you got something, Dave. No man, right okay. on. You All got right, it. yeah. So I was because like this is it, man. Yeah. This is the crux. Yeah. So here's here's the deal. This is what I heard, and I was like, wait a second. This is religious. This is so so religious, but it's not Christian. It is not biblical. But he says, our light has always found its way through the darkness. What does that sound like? It sounds like John 1. Our, but it says, our light. And I was like, wow. So this is man stealing and becoming its own savior. Our light has always been found 
through or found its way through the darkness. It says, and there is hope on the road ahead. I'm trying, is there another line there? No, no, it says, yeah, our light has always found its way through the darkness and, and there's hope on the road ahead. And no, that's well, the thing. Yeah, we pick up our ourselves light. by our bootstraps. Whose light? If you're dead in sin, you have no light. And it tells us very clearly in scripture about Christ. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. What's the darkness? The evil wickedness of men. And then jumping down to verse 9. Mm -hmm. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Guess what? That chapel in Lebanon, Kansas, actually just outside of Lebanon, Kansas, was built by people who wanted others to meet the true light. Mm -hmm. Not have their light redefined. And they rejected the idea that there was any type of redeeming quality in man of in and of himself. Mm -hmm. Any good in man was only because he was in the image of God. And then Adam, there's that last little bit. The last little bit, and then here's where the imagery has to come in, because it, the imagery pops up. But it is a word, so technically it is text that you had to read, but he just didn't say anything. Um, but it did have the imagery that said the reunited states of America. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I think we've pretty much hit it on the head where this is dialectics, um, this is synthesis, and this is what they want. They want a secularist, humanist, religion and they, and they want, want to secular, redefine yeah. mm -hmm. and rip christian symbolism from its foundation mm -hmm. how do you change minds by changing meaning yes and so the only way that we're going to be able to reunite is to appeal to you steal you from your bible um, make you feel good with all our fuzzy messages but then what we're doing is we're going to make a new religion and it's going to be the religion of the reunited states. That's what's really, you know, like it's not a flippant commercial. It is very seductive. No. And I have seen a lot of Christians going on Facebook today, just going like, oh, that was such a beautiful commercial. My, that was my favorite commercial of the whole night. And we should detest that commercial because what it's telling us is our Christianity has never been enough. Our state has never been enough. But if we put these things together the way we want, we can have because they need religion they're trying to deny it over here but they know they need it but they just don't want this one because it's not their rules and again they're trying to throw off the chains and so what bruce springsteen just advocated what jeep just advocated was a secularist humanist society that's it and that's the religion that's synchronistic mm -hmm. that's a form of American nationalism mm -hmm. redefined in a secular standpoint. Yeah. Ripping our symbols and using them to try to connect. Yeah. And it's happening. That's the thing. And so oh, yeah. you, you want to know why, why uh, Hitler had Christian symbols? Was Hitler Christian? A lot of people that are against us right now. Oh, no, he represented a, a form of Christian. No, he didn't. He ripped symbols to do the same thing. To make a religious society based on the state. This is the beast. Simply put, that's what happened. It, whenever you get through Daniel's prophecy, you see all the kingdoms that he prophesied to come. And you had the feet that were of iron and clay. And that was Rome. And that was Israel. And they were mixed together. And then you had the stone that came off and hit the feet and shattered. And that's what happened in 70 AD. 
and we cannot we got we got to see the prophetic symbolism here and it's happening again now again and we're not is, looking for the antichrist but more yeah yeah. This type of ad will be even more popular. In fact, yeah. I would tell you this type of value signaling is exactly what they want. Yep. Yep. And so right now what we're seeing is we're seeing basically Pharisees throwing their alms, saying long prayers on the street corners to get attention. And those people have their reward already. But what we need to do is follow Christ's words, following him um, and and listening and, and our food being to do because his food was to do with the will of the father. And and we know that we don't live on just bread alone; that we live on every word of God's mouth. That's why, again, inerrancy is important. That's right. why apologetic methodology is important because we need to tear down strongholds. Uh, we don't just battle flesh and blood. And this is only talking about flesh. You know, that's why he digs up the dirt. That's why he's only talking about America. That's why he's divorced, at least um, vocally, uh, word-wise. Why there's no Jesus Christian or any sort of um, language there that's why it's all in imagery um and because we're we're battling spiritual things we're not battling flesh and blood but they want to keep you only thinking on earthly things but we need to think about in christ eternity and temporalness met right there and they will exist alongside of each other and christ is the authority in the heavens right now and on earth right now and so we are dualist in that sense uh, not the same sort of philosophical, secular, autonomous idea of dualism, but there is a dualism that is revealed in Scripture that we have to hold to, and that it is heaven and earth exist, and they exist simultaneously. Eternity and temporal nature exist at the same time. And so, just want to let you guys know, do not find this, I hope you don't find this inspirational, This and, and I hope that you can see stuff like this uh going forward um that this is the subtle of this is the subtlety of the serpent serpent and the craftiness of the serpent um in our modern days and times and this is why it's so important to slow down don't just take things at face value and critically think about the messages you are taking in um because this is stuff is this is what's happening and the downgrade of society has been on its way for a long time but here it's coming to a head and here's evidence Christians are being invited to grease the rails of the slippers. Yep. Yep. So don't let, let's, let's, uh, if we can have any sort of help, you know, let's pray. Um, and then let's actually get active. Don't be retreatist because Christ isn't coming back just to save your skins. You will go through suffering. There's Christians before us that have went through suffering. We will go through it and we'll fill every little bit of it, but it will be worth every bit of it because right now the, the weight of glory in the future we will, we will forget about our sufferings now whenever we see our Savior face-to-face and living with Him in His kingdom whenever He comes um, for eternity. So we're already living in the not-yet part. And it's coming, and we can be assured in that, and we have to live consistently with that. And so I think with that said, and I know, Dave, you've got a, you've got a family to tend to and all that kind of stuff, and I appreciate you taking I your time. I you too. No, man, I <laughs> tonight. you too. Sorry, so, I had to run tonight that, a little bit early, man. That's all right. Appreciate you so much. Yeah, and so we'll 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 continue this kind of conversation. I'm sure some other other than this will pop up, but please be on guard, guys, uh, for um, what they're trying to do, and they're trying to steal. They're trying to they're trying to steal the sheep again. They're trying to steal away the the elect if they can. Uh, we've got to be staunch elect people, knowing that God has spoken and He has given us assurance enough to where what the world has to offer is nothing. Um, compared to what we already have. This is ours. The meek inherit the earth. So, 
Um, with that said, this is the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And Soli. Deo. Gloria.